Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special edition We Might Be Biased podcast for the month of May. It is the month of May, and for those uninitiated in uh, what that means, it means that the Indianapolis 500 is a mere few days away. The field has been set and uh, joined by Scott and Dave to talk a little bit uh, about the race, what we think, uh, talk about some of our memories of the race and why it's important to us, and kind of go through the field a little bit here. So uh, really looking forward to, uh, to talking a little bit here. How are you guys? Doing great, Matheson. How are you? Can't wait to be back home again. <laughs> And That's if you right. subtract three, That's that right. makes 33 so had cars a wild <laughs> in the starting field round. of the Indianapolis I don't want to, I, I think it's kind of weird to start off talking about who's not in the race, but like, I think we kind of have to talk about it. Uh, so, uh, Fernando Alonso uh, misses qualifying after what appeared to be just a comedy of errors um, in, in McLaren's first solo attempt at, uh, at, uh, operating this thing so um guys what, what what were your what are your thoughts i know scott and dave you have somewhat differing opinions on this so uh scott fernando alonso fails to qualify for the indianapolis 500 um why um well the, so the why i think uh is that mclaren i think underestimated exactly what this was going to uh require from a from an effort standpoint and uh they did a really nice job in that. Uh, I think it was the Indy Star actually that, that broke down um, kind of the comedy of errors, and it included they didn't even have a steering wheel for the first test, yeah. you know. Um, <clears throat> so, I, I, which is wild considering that they had at least worked with Andretti Racing two years ago when he ran, uh, and would have hopefully picked up at least a couple of ideas of what it would take and everything. So. Um, it, it sounds like it was just a really unorganized effort, or uh, maybe not unorganized, but. Um, Less. No, I think that's the exact yeah, word to yeah. use, right? Or, I mean, severe procrastination, maybe. I don't know, but um, it seems like the whole thing, like they delayed announcing it for a long time, and then when they did, it was just kind of weird. I mean, the month of May has been split into two races now, and they're trying to jump in halfway, and it, and it's this is not the Doctor Jack Miller um, set up <laughs> of drivers anymore. I mean, it's thirty three very competitive folks from top to bottom now. Um, yeah, 30, 36, yeah, 36, 30, very, yeah, 36, very competitive, right? I mean, uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and what was shocking to me was, I mean, you had you have teams that are qualifying in front of McLaren. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> who, who, who don't, who like, yeah, I'm sure they're very nice people and, and very, you know, but like have no business qualifying in front Correct. of McLaren. Well, and I, and, <laughs> and I totally understand the... Um, I, I, like I want Alonzo in the race. It is better for the race to have Alonzo in the race. But from a just overall appreciation of the event and what makes qualifying and all of it so cool is if you're not fast enough, you're not in. And that's I, I mean we had talked to, uh, you know we on Twitter I suppose talked um, kind of back and forth about some of this discussion about you know should there be guaranteed spots. Absolutely not. They're 100% should not be guaranteed spots. Um, part of what drew a ton well, of drama should. to it was the fact that he might get bumped and, and ultimately that he did. Well, I mean, and we, we should talk a, I mean, a little bit about what the notion of guaranteed spots is. Like the proposal on the table is that um, if you run a full-time ride um, through the series of IndyCar, that you would be guaranteed a spot in the Indianapolis 500. 
proponents of the of the program um, say, and logically it makes sense that it will it will help them drive drive sponsors to their car. Right? They've made a commitment to to the entire. Um, uh, to the entire series, and with that commitment, the, the crown jewel and what the sponsors actually care about is um, uh, is the Indianapolis 500, and so they they want to be able to guarantee their sponsors that they will get the airtime in the Indianapolis 500 that's actually meaningful to them. Right? That's what that's what the proponents would say. Um, it, what's what's been interesting to me is that that most of the drivers' opinions about it, even the ones that get bumped or have been bumped in the past like James Hinchcliffe um, seems somewhat opposed to the idea Uh, or at least it goes against their nature of like well you've got to be one of the 33 fastest to get in and that's how it goes I I don't know it's it's a it, it is. It's an interesting. It's an interesting dilemma because I do see the logic behind it for the series as a whole, but taken as the event as a snapshot of just the event. Forget the, um, uh, for, forget forget the series and forget the, the, its future and all those other things. Like if you just look at the event, it's absolutely better if there's bumping, <laughs> right? I, um, I think you know, but. Uh, I do understand the, the the concept behind it because now you have somebody who is going to drive a ton of international eyeballs, a ton of in, international um, interest in in the uh, and 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 you know North American interest in in the race not being a part of it. And but but it's important to notice note that like a guaranteed spot would have not helped Fernando Alonso this year. McLaren does not run a full time ride. He would have been bumped regardless of whether there were guaranteed spots or yeah. not. Right. I, I think Hint, what I remember listening to podcasts last year uh, that when hit with Hinchcliffe talking about it, and I think one of his oh, one of his problems um, was that the, I think the Indy Five Hundred is a double points race in the championship. Is that right? Um, okay. Well, I don't know what we want to do about it. Uh, cool. Uh, but what I would, my idea for that would be to just make the Indy 500 a, a separate out of championship event because winning that race is in itself uh, a championship, right? So, yeah, and and I think that the amount of coverage that uh, it, it's a different equation for Kyle Kaiser, yes, um, and his team than it is for uh, McLaren and Alonso. I mean. They probably got more coverage by missing the event than had he qualified in the last row and run and finished 15th. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, the amount of coverage McLaren has gotten out of this thing, albeit somewhat negative in general, um, has been, you know, astronomical. And and I think that the argument from the little teams saying they should have a guaranteed spot, um, I, it, it, I think those days are past us. I, I think the the sell at that point is then have a competitive enough car to be able to guarantee it's getting in the show. And I, I th- you know, I, I mean I, that's that's the yeah, risk. And I think the series is healthy enough to take that risk now. Yeah, like maybe I think if so we're too. ten years ago or something like that, it's a different, you know, a different equation. Uh, but yeah, I just the the one thing I hope is that this doesn't, pre, you know, you know this I don't hope this isn't too big a setback to prevent McLaren from coming back and putting a better effort in or preventing other similar efforts to, cause I want to go back to the, to the variety of, you know, yeah, no, 
engines and competition. Right, as much as I can get, like that's what I want to see. So it, 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 it's you know, it's ridiculous how many mistakes seem to happen, but it also seemed like everything seemed to go against them because they had electrical problems during the test, the first testing sessions. They had the crash at the exact wrong time. They couldn't go out and practice because of rain. You know, Sunday morning. Well, did you, like, it did just, you read the? Did you read the part of the story where their backup car? Oh yeah, just, was still still in the paint shop because they didn't like the color. But, yeah, but also like who who in the room didn't painted. just go just put the car out there? Who cares? Um, mm-hmm. Is a, is a you got a whole week? You got a whole week to paint it. Just put it put it out there and do do the Jordan King. Don't yeah. even paint it. Just just put it out there blank. You know. I mean, you know, Kyle, Kyle Kaiser so and his sponsors. It, so it, it was it was it air was it F one arrogance that that cost him the ride or I I, I I mean it's it's tempting to blame it on that because I mean that's where their experience largely is. Um, so I think there's a component of that, and I think, I think there's probably uh, to read into the situation a little bit. They waited till the absolute eleventh hour to even go to the other teams for help, you know. Um, and and if we want to be fully transparent, um, I think the the ridiculous way that, and we'll, I think we'll get into this later, but the ridiculous way that qualifying is set up right now. Um, did not help them at all. I, I think no. if you had a true bump day, McLaren and Alonso are probably in the field by the end of the day. Um, but because it was a one run and done and no practice because of rain and everything else, I, I they everything that could have gone wrong went wrong, but they had done nothing to prepare for any of those eventualities or put any time in testing the car. And so, I mean, I they, like David said, I hope to see them in the series. I want them to run a full season. I want them to develop an engine and have their own independent development program for it. I think it would be a huge exposure for them. Um, and it would be wonderful for the series from a growth standpoint. Um, but it's kind of frustrating to have seen a team that came in and, and obviously did a lot of fanfare and, and was playing on their heritage to just miss the ball so badly on, uh, on getting it in the race. Yeah, I, I will. I, yeah. So, so did you guys like qualifying this year? David? Uh, I mean, it was it was interesting, I guess, but, like, yeah, I, I don't know how you put more time in it to, to allow for a, a bump day and a pole day and that kind of stuff, but I, I think it just needs to, they need to figure it out because I want to see people taking their time out. Like, the fast line was nothing. Like, the, the yeah. one shot uh, yeah. of the last row was exciting because it's to see who made the race, and then having the fast line after that was like, I this does not matter. Uh, well, it's 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 contri- It's the most, the race and and the organizing body that's run the race has done such a good job getting back to the point that it is now, dating all the way back to the split, and even before that, uh, talk about Champ Car and IRL mm-hmm. for those who don't know. Um, that you, gone are the days where there were thirty three entries for thirty three spots, and we had to drum up some kind of. You had to make something and manufacture some excitement about it, and I think Mastin originally made this point um, when we were talking before poll day that you know that's where the fast nine I think was born out of is that okay we got to have something so it's not everybody runs once and it's like well we're all in the show let's not risk anything and call it a day. Um, now that you're at the point again where there's you know 36, 37 entries. Um, I think they've done a wonderful job turning it into the month of May all over again. And so you have the Grand Prix and everything that leads up to that. And so reduced practice time for the race. But I think you could still very much get away with 
a true pole day and a true bump day and and have Saturday be, you know, uh, it, you want to go out and you want to qualify, you know, call it if you want to have that even be unlimited attempt time, fine. OK. And everybody has an opportunity to try to put their car in the field fastest 33 are in. Um, and then I would and this goes some other things I would change but because of daylight savings time I would bump everything back an hour so you have happy hour again but I would say the last two hours of the day are reserved for the for the top nine fastest drivers and you get an unlimited number of runs to take a shot at the pole Um, but if you're going to take a shot you have to take your car out so you could drop back to row three if you're in the middle of row one like put some risk in the game right and then that determines pole day like you're done at that point Uh, And then the next day is bump day and it follows old school bump day rules. The cars get three attempts per car, you know, in terms of that car has three attempts to make the field uh, and the slowest speed is on the bubble all day long until the gun fires. And none of this one run and you're in and out shootout nonsense. Let it be a true bump day. Let them have practice. And if somebody thinks they've got a setup and wants to make a qualifying run, they go and say, hey, I want to make a run. Uh, And they shut it down and get it ready. I think I think that would be far more organically exciting um, because I think you would see towards the end of the day as the speed started to kick up, people frantically making runs and, and making decisions about whether their speeds were fast enough, etc. And you have enough entrance in cars to be able to do that now. Also, Indiana has had daylight savings time for how long now? Go to 7 o'clock! Long, en- long enough. <laughs> Just go to 7! Long enough! Make it happy hour again! Jeez! <laughs> yeah, and... Uh, the other and thing. actually, quick, quick interjection, quick interjection. <laughs> How on earth, and this happened last year, if it if it says it runs till six o'clock, why are they firing a gun off at five fifty? Yeah, <laughs> what what on earth is that? <laughs> like that makes no sense. So, uh, yeah, I, and one other thing about uh, Alonzo is that one thing I was very impressed with is that because they got no practice in the morning, he had to take a car that they totally rebuilt overnight, changed completely. And had to run that with basically zero practice, and he missed it by point zero one nine miles an hour. I think. I mean, yeah, zero two, one, two yeah. things on that: he didn't have any practice because his team made a math error in the metric to English <laughs> conversion they were and set it up too low to start. Yeah. Right? But even so then, that would have been like five laps before the rain came. I think. But yeah, but that was very yeah. silly. <laughs> so that was very silly, and then and then the other piece was that. Um, they had they had the downforce set up wrong um, because of another math error uh, on on the actual qualifying rig. So like um, you know, I mean, and, and you know, you take this with a grain of salt because the teams are always going to think that they can go a little bit faster than maybe they did. But like they were pretty sure they had a two twenty nine car um, on qualifying day that they just like put put too much downforce on, and, well, and it turned out to be a two twenty seven car. And to, to all credit to Alonzo, yeah. who, who, without question, is a phenomenal driver. Like, that run was, A, incredible. B, he had every excuse all week to be able to throw his team under the bus, and he never did. He said, we don't deserve it if we're not fast enough. It was always wee, wee, wee. Um, I thought it was really hilarious to see Danica Patrick in the coverage say that when he said he didn't feel any pressure on Saturday, you know, that that meant he didn't care. It's like, no, you just don't get it. <laughs> he's just, you know, he's just not going to throw his team under the bus and he's not going to say what's going on and everything else. And I, I thought he was a consummate professional the whole time. I think inside he's dying that he didn't get in. Um, 
But also, I think, you know, it's been laid bare exactly how many errors McLaren made throughout the entire process. And yeah. And, and and like you said, Mastin, I mean, any one of those things could be one of those things on practice day where you might catch it or in testing and you, and you know to catch those eventualities. But they didn't give themselves any opportunities to make those mistakes when it didn't count, you know? No. No, absolutely. So Alonzo's out. I thought there was more drama actually in the slow six than there were in the fast nine. Like the fast nine thing, I, I agree. It's, it's, it's manufactured drama. And frankly, like... I'm going to be real honest, like, I don't really care about the fast nine, because truthfully, when you get into race setup, if you're one of the nine fastest drivers, uh, and you're starting, let's say you are, you are starting outside of row three, right, so so you just completely bag the fast nine, and, and you just take your medicine, you start in the outside of row three, um, you know, you can, you can win a race from there, <laughs> like, like, I mean, that's not a death sentence, right? Well, um, they've, they've, they've robbed the glory of pole day by making it into a two-day thing now, and mm-hmm. like, Spencer Piggott should be the pole sitter for the 103rd running of the Indianapolis 500. He had a great run, ran the fastest lap of the day, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, they basically negated all of that and was like, all right, you get one chance to go out and get It's stupid. Although, you know, you could have a crescendo to the competition and have these guys trying to one-up each other and better each other and make the prize for the pole worth the risk, you know? Um just my two cents. Yeah, the problem with not having a pole day is he did that run third. He was the third one. Yeah, eleven fifteen in the morning, and like yeah. not being able to yeah. like. I think the fast nine thing might have been at some point they gave him a certain amount of time at the end of the day to do runs, and then the fastest at the it end of that time. So that was better than a, this at least. But you need that time at the end of the day when the track's going to be fast again to get. Well, that, that's what I was. You know. That's what I was suggesting earlier is that if you made it if you made it go till seven and you said from five to seven, you have to be one of the fastest nine cars to be able to run, run again, Mm -hmm. you know, and if you decide not to fine, if you want to park it fine, but you have unlimited attempts to pull your time out, you know, and the worst you can do is drop the ninth, essentially, but and, and take shots at the pole. I think you'd see an action packed two hours and especially the last 45 minutes or so. Um, where, where teams are trying to trying to get yeah. the top spot. Yeah, know? because under that under that circumstance, you're taking the bug in the system, which, in my opinion, if you only get one run at it, is that like ninth is the worst that you can do, and right. you're turning it into a feature. Now Correct. ninth is ninth is now your floor, and right. I, I, I think pretty much everybody's okay with with a ninth starting spot because like, exactly what you said. Ninth is by no means, you know, doomed to be a, a mid-pack runner at the end of the day. You know, uh, n- ninth, even with the new chassis, you could be leading by lap two, depending on how the day goes. You know, uh, so, um, yeah, and, and, and I get we're, we're nitpicking some details, but it's just it's so close to being back to kind of glory days-esque level of Indian involvement. And they've done such a great job and they have such a competitive series with a full roster of drivers who are all talented, you know, that you could really turn this into something and showcase their ability. And I feel they're just totally missing out on an opportunity here with qualifying to really drum up attention the week before the race and and turn it into Grand Prix weekend, qualifying weekend, race weekend, in the middle of kind of a sports doldrums section and just own, especially racing news anyway. Um, So that's why, I, I mean... That's why it's frustrating, and the hope would be as they as they get more entrants and hopefully more suppliers, 
you know, maybe you have more of a bumping situation where you got 40 entries. But um, I think the format is is hamstringing them right now. So, guys, uh, the, the, so the world set, uh, you know, Simon, Simon Pagenaud sitting on the pole, uh, followed by Ed Carpenter and Spitzer Piggott. Um, the, the whole Carpenter racing team is, is notoriously fast on qualifying day. Um, so, so unsurprised, uh, in my opinion, to see Ed Carpenter, um, you know, sitting up at the top uh, of the field there. But who's been fast this month? Like, like I mean, if you're going to think about the, the last three weeks of, of practice and race times and, and seeing who's putting up numbers and, and who's running well, who, who, who are you guys keeping an eye on here, um, you know, come race day? Go ahead, Dave. Uh, well, I think Ed Jones has been the fastest kind of no-toe practice guy the last few practice sessions, I think. Um, like, I think he's been – I was listening to a podcast with Connor Daly, and I think he said, he said that he ran like a 230 or something, 231. So I think he had the fastest, quote, no-toe speed. Yeah. Uh, so he's he's been uh, – I don't know how because <laughs> – He's not looking assy anymore. And I, I, is he? Has he been in previous races in the series, or is this his one kind of shot this year? I, I think he, I think this is his one run this year. Okay, but because I think he, yeah, he's the third Carpenter car, and they usually don't have more than two. Uh, Correct. So correct. He's been. It'll be very interesting to see how he and Colton Herta do uh, next I was to each other. Say, in Herta. Two. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So. Herta has been quick, especially for a Honda, because the Chevys have kind of shown better straightaway power. Um, and I think that bore out in qualifying as well. But Herta has been consistently the fastest of his team and the fastest of the Hondas. Um, so I think he's been uh, pretty pretty sneakily quick. Um, Takuma Sato's had a pretty good month, despite not getting a lot of, uh, a lot of fanfare. Um they made a real interesting point during qualifying, and, and, and full disclosure, I am a uh, diehard Kanan fan, so Tony Kanan, um, that, you know, it's been a quiet month, but that they felt like they've had really good cars, and, like, Kanan went out and made one run at qualifying, knew it was going to be in that locked-in spot, and said, yeah, we've got more in it, but we don't need to worry about it, and <laughs> kind of shut it down. Um, but I think he and Laced actually may be pretty, pretty decently quick come race day. You know... I think the Ed Jones thing is going to be really interesting, right? Because it's not as though Ed Jones is not a name that that I think um, you know a casual IndyCar fan would be familiar with. But um, he's a former Indy Lights champion, um, right? He uh, he has placed third um, in 2017 at the Indianapolis 500, so he can he can wheel it a little bit. At the mm-hmm. Indy 500, he's more of a road car, road racing guy. He drives the road road races um, this year for for the Ed Carpenter Racing. What I'm going to be really curious about with Ed Jones is like Ed Carpenter Racing, for whatever reason, knows how to qualify at Indy. Like like they they've got those cars dialed in. And I, I mean, Carpenter's been on the pole countless times. He won it back to back prior to to winning it again, winning the pole again, um, you know, last year, and was going for back to back two two different back to back poles, if, if I'm recalling right, this year. So, what I'm going to be really interested in with Ed Jones is like, 
can is is the race trim is it going to translate to race trim or right. or how much is he drafting off of drafting haha um you know off of off of the ed carpenter expertise in qualifying of which i, I don't i don't think anyone disputes like if qualifying were the event ed carpenter would be like right. um you know would would be an aj foyt type of name <laughs> right and well and i think that's where um I think that's where when you look a little further back in the field and you see like Castro Nevis outside row four and then you have Kanan um, who's starting, I think, 16th. So inside row six, you know, guys who absolutely know how to set their car up to be able to go through traffic. Um, th- those guys potentially from a speed standpoint could be very sneaky as opposed to the people who maybe nail the open track qualifying very low downforce setup. But when you get into traffic and you're having to adjust and have a car that enables you to run multiple lines, you know, in a lap, um, do they have that level of experience or the ability to make those adjustments over the course of the day? Yep, absolutely. Um, I think another another really interesting one um, to watch, uh, you know, coming coming from, uh, you know, the the back of the field is going to be whether or not James Hinchcliffe can find a race trim that works he got he was yeah. he got kind of he, he screwed himself on on qualifying by putting it into the wall right um and uh and got got stuck back there but like i don't think anyone thinks that james hinchcliffe is is the second slowest car or the second slowest driver in this field so i'm going to be really interested to watch what I, I mean i don't think he's a threat to win i you know here i mean that that would be a um a, a scott goodyear type run but uh um, you know the. I, I think it'll be it'll be really interesting to watch what he does because he is faster than his starting um, uh, starting position would 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 indicate. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, absolutely. It, it'll be kind of we have a kind of an analog because Rossi last year was last row as well, and I think he was top five is what he ended up in. So I, yeah. with the with these arrow, you know, the new arrow kits and stuff, they you know he showed you can move up through the field. So it'll be yeah, very interesting to see how he does. Especially after after missing a year, see how it'll be interesting to see how patient he is. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. I was gonna say, I think the trick for him is gonna be, can he manage to wait to let things unfold a little bit and pick it off as it comes to him, as opposed to trying to take huge chunks off way early and you know get get stuck in unnecessary risks uh, trying to move up through the field. Yep. So give me a name uh, as just sort of a fun exercise. Give me a name that no one is talking about that you think that you think could sneak up and win this thing. Oh, I got a good one, Dave. You want to go first? No one is. Don't talk. say Tony Kanan, Scott. You're going to say <laughs> Tony Kanan. No one is. I have not. Okay, I will go first. I will go first. So I will go first then, since you're calling me out. Oriel Servia. Yeah, Oriel Servia. Oriel Servia is starting inside row seven, so nineteenth. Uh, but has been consistently quick, has a ton of experience here. Um, it was very interesting. The, the Indy 500 app, when you go through the grid, actually puts the warm-up lap uh, yes. speed out there, and it was really interesting to see the different drivers have different approaches. I think Colton Herta's warm-up lap trying to save the tires was like 208. Oriel Servius was like 2.23.9 or something like that. Yeah. Like, he was not wasting abs- any time on no, the warm-up lap. Just absolutely <laughs> standing on it you know, from the beginning, but um, I he's got the experience. I think he's got a strong car, um, and he knows how to get around through race traffic. So I think he's a guy who, come race day, uh, we can find at the front in the later stages. I like it. 
I like that pick. Uh, Dave, what do you think? Oh, boy, no one, no one is talking about. Um, I just for my curiosity, it'll be interesting to see how Connor Daly does with like a uh, a competent car. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, because it feels like every other time we've seen him in the race, it's been like, oh boy. <laughs> and, yeah, and uh, I you know I've, I've listened to him on enough podcasts. You know, he's a very personable guy. To, it's, he's good to listen to and stuff. So I've kind of grew, you know had a growing rooting interest in, in seeing him do well. The livery's very cool. Uh, Best livery in the field. So. Very cool. No, you guys are jumping ahead on my topics oh, list. Sorry. But yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot sorry, of good ones this year. Fair though. enough. This it is, is a, a cool livery. Master, who you got? Um, so, so you guys can call me out if you think I'm cheating here, but I don't think anyone is talking about Ryan Hunter Ray uh, starting 22nd. No, that's fair. He's back and, right. totally fair. Uh, and and I get that he's not exactly a new name uh, in the series or, or at this event, right? But right. Um, he's a guy who's proven he can wheel it at Indy, and uh, and, and you've just not seen a whole lot of uh, of press around him. So uh, so I, I think that that he might be able to make some noise, um, yeah. You know, with with that, what's interesting is all three of us picked a Honda driver. That's really weird. Uh, Without and, even knowing it, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and I didn't, I didn't establish that into my, into my criteria, but um, well, you know but, why? But it, because subconsciously, that? subconsciously, we're reverting back to when they cheated for Honda and gave them an extra fifty <laughs> horsepower for boost on race day because they weren't going right. to be competitive, and that's how Dario Franchini win. But I, I digress. I digress. Well, <laughs> I, I think it's because the the Chevys are either Penske and Carpenter, which everyone's talking about, and then I don't know. So I, I went for a. The lesser-known Andretti team is someone I would Andretti guy is someone I think who could do AJ well. Foy, AJ Foyt Racing is Chevy. <laughs> I know, but people are you know. Yeah, I'm, not gonna, know. I't going to pretend that Tony Kanaan isn't someone people are talking about. So. Right. That's fine. That's fine. And, and if okay, so 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 let's play this game. So so the the background here is is that Chevys um, at at Indianapolis anyways have for what would you guys say the last five years at least, if not ten years. Um, been the, the dominant the dominant engine manufacturer at this race would would that be fair to say? I think so. If, if I'm recalling correctly, um, at least in terms of qualifying and in terms of where the speed has been, I know. I, I mean, like when Rossi won, I think he had a Honda. Yes, um, but that was under weird circumstances too. I it mean, was. He didn't was. win because he had the fastest car. He won no, because he no, had no, a, he the, the pit right. strategy that shook out. At the end You're of the right. day, I'm not. I'm not. Do, I mean that that win counts, man. He's on. He's on the trophy, right? But so like, yeah. I'm not saying he's not. But um, you know, that wasn't because he had a, a very fast well, car. So you know, the last yes. six races, Correct. Chevy and Honda have split it. So okay. Uh, but Honda's also Qualify. Honda's also does a little better on those road Quali- courses. Yeah, qualifying than they do on the for old sure. Ones. Chevy has definitely been better at Indy. I think the last since they came back, really. Uh, yeah, but. I, I guess it was 2017 that Honda had the engine reliability. I don't remember that. Was that? I don't remember that being too much of a thing last year. But no, oh, the reliability thing. Well, yeah, it was because that's what knocked uh, a lot. Oh, was it 17? Yeah, he was in 17. Him and Ryan Hunter Ray engines. I think. Yeah, my bad. But, my bad. 
But uh, yeah, they just kept blowing engines, and that was the year that poor Fernando Alonso kept blowing engines in the F one series yes. too. Yes, <laughs> so he comes over here, puts together a hell of a run, and yeah. blows his engine. So he was going to Dom- win that race. I think dominates through, gets to the lead, pulling away from it. He would have been tough to beat. Yeah. yeah. Welcome to Andretti racing. <laughs> he's, yeah. had, he's had a rough couple of couple of years in terms of the luck. <laughs> yep. Yep. So, um, all right. So, so, so we, we, we've got a little bit out of the bag. Best, best livery in the field. Best I'm looking at all the pictures the right now. Yeah. Okay. This is the important stuff. I think the coolest one, if I'm going to, semantics here, semantics. I think Connor Daly's is the coolest. Like, the novelty car that I'm like, oh, that's cool. That's really neat that that's going around. But I think the livery that stirs the most uh, for me, it's still Elio with the, le- the yellow submarine. Okay, that yep. was that was the rocket ship. When I was, you know, when, when our dad took us to practice when we we're five years old, that was right in at least for me, kind of eighty seven, eighty eight when Mears was running that car. And I yeah, that, that was, was the that's that that's was, the Mears scheme, right? Yeah, and, and that was you know to a five year old kid. I mean, uh, your your mind's just blown. So I think that's the one that still grabs me right now. Yep. Yeah, I, 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 I do like what they did with uh, Marco Andretti's. I like the yeah. kind of that color. I, any color that stands out is going to get a thumbs up from me. <laughs> so yeah. I, I like that. I think the best. I'll I'll go really goofy. The best full time livery I think is still Rossi for me. Uh, oh yeah, Rossi's is good. Rossi's like is great. Like the, the the blue and yellow Napa um, is just it's a it's a classic design, yeah. but it doesn't really. Um, it doesn't really harken back to any any particular memory for me, except that like I look at that and I'm like, yeah, that's that's a good looking yeah. car. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and then then the nostalgia you know, one for me is probably the Menards for Pagano. And that's oh, where yeah. that, that's where I go, David, as well is is the the Pagano Menards one. Um, when I when I was first going to the races, um, Poor Gary which is a little bit after you guys. Um, those were the years that uh, that that's, uh, Tony Stewart was running uh, those yeah. Menards. Great, Ray. Ray. Yep. Yep, yep, and they were just so fast. And it was the year that um, was it Scott Scott Brayton uh, was in a Menards thought, car. Yeah, he was in a Menards car, and he ended, and he was on the pole, and then and then ended up uh, getting getting killed in an accident, which was terrible. But and saw and Tony Stewart um, assumed the pole that year, and that was that was right. my first race uh, in person, anyways. Me too. Um, yeah, sure. So so when I when I think back to the cars of my childhood that, that, that were that were the, the fast cool cars it's, it's those Menards cars and I love yeah. what Simon Pagino's uh, car does with that with the, the just neon yellow yeah. just <laughs> over yeah. the top yeah, that, that'll, that'll <laughs> totally do it jumps. till they bring back the, the Vaglo Marble Penske uh, scheme yeah yeah when they bring back the Marlboro Penske's that will That'll pull at my heartstrings because those were. They can't do like, the Marlboro thing anymore, well, they, they right? Did they just write Verizon? Just write Verizon. Right Elio did it Verizon. in 2009 and just said Penske on it. I mean, they, they did yeah. them more recently just, than I think we think. Because if you, yeah, you go back and, and look, and there weren't Marlboro logos on at that point. So. What do you uh, What do you guys think of Dixon's car? Because it's, it's not classic, but I actually like how the car looks. Like, it, it's very unique in the field. Uh, and it's kind of been his livery recently for some time since they went away from Target. It's, um, I, but I actually really like it. I, I like it's not. It doesn't harken back to anything, but I think it's a cool look. I like it better than the Target uh, 
ones they were doing because those just yeah. got those got very boring and they never really did anything with them. So I, yeah, the, the colors it's it's something I can pick out easily, which I always appreciate. Yes. So yes. I, yeah, I think it looks good. I, yeah, I think it looks good. It's fine. My issue with Dixon's car is I, I tend to gravitate towards either like neon or like primary colors, and like yeah. it's orange. But it's not quite like the orange like I want it to be. Orange. Yeah, yeah exactly. and it's blue, but it's not quite the blue I want it to be either. And so I, I liken it to the Seattle Seahawks uniforms in, in, in the NFL, where it's yeah. just like I can't put my finger on what that color is exactly, and and it kind of makes me nauseous. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I, I think one the one thing one livery that got worse is probably the Arrow cars. Because oh they God. took out oh, most of yeah. the gold, and I, uh, you know, obviously they're yeah. not going to do. And the gold was great. They're not going to do Wickens' car for obvious reasons, but like that red was great uh, too. Yeah, and they just—it's just kind of on the top now. It just doesn't stand out as much as it did in previous years. Like uh, Servia's car looks good, but yeah, but, uh, Ericsson's and Hinchcliffe's. Like I, I'm not going to be able to tell those apart. So. I'd right. love to know what the competition was that uh, both Will Power and Joseph Newgarden lost to get the cars they got because they both sucked. <laughs> At least they're so. not both silver. Like last year was yeah. impossible. Yeah. It was the mirrors. That was what was different last year. So I will take that. I will take this at least. Because it's not the just nondescript black car that's not number five, but the five on it is as big as the number. <laughs> so it's going to be impossible to. T- Jeez. Anyway, sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> No, it's good. And also, Scott, I know he's your guy, but the ABC Tony Kanon red, not white, my and favorite. blue. Not, not my not, favorite. No. I want. I want either. I either want vintage Big Gulp Seven Eleven Kanon. Yes. Um, the old Lotus when he ran the Lotus that one year was really cool. Or, or give me the winning car. Give me the Hydroxy Cut Eleven. I'll, I'll take that. Uh, but I do not. No, I am. With all due respect to our cousin Tony, who works for ABC Supply, um, not my favorite. Not my favorite. Well, it, uh, why, and why not livery. go with some of AJ Foyt's past liveries? Go with the '77 well, and that's Coyote what, or, or his uh, nah, Gilmore. Copenhagen. Or, like, Give me the Copenhagen. Well, he's got two cars, and make them different, uh, yeah. please. I know. Why do they do Flipping that? Flipping a color why is they... not enough, everybody. Why do they, I don't understand why they do that with, well, with regard to like. Like they 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 run two cars, same sponsor, and like make them the exact same. Like you have an unlimited palette to choose from. (laughs) (laughs) Like just do something cool. I was going to say, I will, at least for the first 20 laps, I'm going to point at Matthias Laced and be Uh like, what's going on? And they'd be like, oh. Oh, that's well, late. And it's four because and there's 14. literally there's no teen. There's no difference between the cars. None, you know. And uh, one will be fast and one won't. That's the only way we're going to be able to tell. So, I agree. I don't know. And they, you know, you have such a wonderful history to pull from, like you said, from AJ Foyt Racing or just from other previous, you know, historical liveries. Like when they did the, um, oh, was it John Paul Jones who ran? Um, his his father's with like the gold gold foil ninety eight on it or I, I'm trying to remember they did a, a, a really cool tribute like three or four years ago where it was just basically that livery on a modern car and it looked fantastic. Um, but you're right. Why not why not call back to the you know have them run the Target Havoline Newman Haas cars you know and, and you know have Andretti run those maybe there's some copyright thing we're just unaware of but or the Valvoline um, Gallus uh, yeah Jr. yes. 
Hundred percent, Raul Boisel with the Duracell, like those were, and even the Quaker State cars, you know, the Kenny Bernstein cars when Guerrero set the track record uh, before wrecking out on the pace lap. That was my first race, first race. <laughs> you actually. know, uh, Raul Boisel um, is an accomplished show horse jumper. He is. So, whereas Scott uh, Brayton, rest in peace, a was a bachelor. <laughs> yes, he never exactly. came up with anything more interesting for poor Scott Brayton. So, Massa, we are we are talking about. <laughs> so, the background here is whatever we go on a family trip. My parents were very smart and would put they would tape the races from like the start of coverage to the end. And so they'd put on these five hour long tapes. And so David and I basically have from like 91 to 96 just memorized because we've watched them a billion times in the car going to the lake and stuff. And yeah, the intros, the intros were the best. You had the Delta Force music and then random, totally unrelated <laughs> facts about all the drivers. And if they didn't have a fun fact, like it was literally Scott. <laughs> Scott Brayton is a bachelor. Raul Boisel jumps horses over objects. You know, you're just like, oh my god. Okay. I mean, that, that. I mean, just talk about what a terrible time we all lived in and grew up in, where, <laughs> where, <laughs> the entertainment options for in a car, like, like th- this sounds terrible to to people. They're like, you guys watched well, like five hour race coverage. That yes. was literally the only thing to do. And we loved like, it. We loved it. It was that right. and Major League Two. <laughs> Those were the movies. You know? I want to know what your guys' sister did during these. Did, she was she as into it? Oh yeah. Oh, Rachel. Rachel could probably quote as many of these as we could, if not more. Oh yeah. Um, Rachel's Rachel's fun Indy five hundred facts that so she can't speak for herself here uh, is that her first race was Eddie Cheever's win in 98, and he drove the Rachel's Potato Chip car. So there, there you go. Has anyone ever seen a bag of Rachel's Potato Chips? Not once, I, no. I'm convinced it was a made-up And That might have. Maston, when did we talk to Eddie on pit road and say, hey, get out there? And he said, uh, give me some money. <laughs> it was. Uh, it, it had to have been about 2003 or four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, there was a there was a um, I forget I think it was a car dealership or there, there's a, either way there was a business in Indianapolis one year that decided to sponsor a car and uh, and and invest all that money in into the the name sponsor title sponsor of a car and the story would be much better if I could remember the company but regardless that car wrecked uh, like the second lap of the race. And the CEO of the company famously hung the the battered the battered front wing of the car above his desk to remind himself to never <laughs> sponsor a race car ever again. Uh, <laughs> and I feel like that same fate might have befallen Rachel's potato chips. <laughs> it might have. Now you're not you're not uh, you're not thinking of Kelly Racing. Right? No, it, it is the, absolutely not for, Kelly okay. Racing. Okay, yeah, Scott yes. Sharp's Although greatest. that is that is a phenomenal <laughs> Scott Sharp. He didn't make a one. He didn't make a one. Not even one turn. Well, no, but do you guys remember? Like it was what fifty degrees when they started that race on Sunday. I mean, it was, it was chilly. Cold. It and, was chilly. Uh, and what had happened was they'd used a paint. You guys know this, but they'd used a specific type of paint on the white line along the inside of the turn that basically turned into a strip of ice. <laughs> and because it wasn't just Scott Sharp that hit it, I think um, I think Sarah uh, Sarah Fisher hit it, um, and she could have wrecked for other reasons um, uh, too. But like you know, there were there were two or three drivers that got caught on on that white line of ice and, and yep. put it into the wall like in the first couple laps. So. I've been listening. I've been trying to. I've been listening to as much as I possibly can this week because I can't focus. But uh, one thing someone people brought were, were talking about was whether they should keep that grass strip 
like in between the the warm like the oh the where they lane. divide the pit road yeah, like because yeah. like yeah. should we get rid of that because like if you do a wobble and hit that grass you're 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 done right whereas if that yeah. was yes like it used to be if it was just all track you, you might be able to save that sort of thing I don't know where, I don't know where you guys stand on that kind of. I would be, I think, a little bit sad to see it go back to apron. I mean, even if it, even if it kind of makes sense, but like visually, when I look at the track now and I see somebody in that in that inner the, in the, the 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 runoff lane, so to speak, like I don't know. Visually, I can see, oh, he's not a part of this race right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Got it. That's Got it. Can we call no, that I, the I, Jack I, Miller? Can we call that the, the Jack Miller the, route? Uh, the doctor, the honorary Doctor Jack Miller, uh, you know, racing line. He's he's, um, he's going to be at the first signing on Saturday. Just saying. So so I did not come up with this. I'm going to give Andy uh, Andy Behrman credit where credit is due. Uh, but if you think about it. Or wait, Master, this might have been you. I may have misappropriated this quote. Uh, on the grand scheme of things. Um, he's the coolest dentist anybody knows, right? Yeah. Like he wasn't the greatest driver, but man, he's a cool dentist. Like so, you know, if you look at it through that lens, pretty cool. Um, to answer your question, I was I've been watching a bunch of old races this week because uh, same as Dave, I can't focus. Um, I would argue totally uh, by my own you know subjective criteria that the racing line is different now that that apron is gone. Oh, yeah. Because uh, when you look at, like, Michael Andretti blowing the field away before uh, before blowing his engine in 92 or even in 91 yep. uh, when, Mir- when Mears got him, those guys are running all four wheels below the white line on almost every corner, you know, and, and coming back out. Mm-hmm. And, like, the, the lines were very different back then. And I think I, I hadn't thought about, you know, the p- potential to save it or, you know, the potential to have a spin and win type thing like Sullivan. Um but I don't know. I, I I wouldn't mind seeing it come back. Actually, I think visually it looks better with the grass. But I also wouldn't mind seeing it open up some new lines. It, it didn't they? Don't they have some regulation? Or didn't this is an honest question? Didn't they have some regulation for at least a minute where you couldn't run all four wheels below the white line? Either that, or you I couldn't. Pass. There was something I to that think. rule, or you couldn't pass that. Okay. Um, I think it was very poorly enforced. <laughs> but well, but yeah, yes, there was somebody some win it? Who it. won it making a pass with all four below the, the white line? Was it Frank Keedy one year? Uh, um, mm. I feel like the grass has been there longer than that. Yeah, but maybe. Maybe. I, 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 really don't, I, I don't mean, know how I, anyone I mean, in Ryan, the 70s and 80s survived pit lane. Because, like, oh, yeah, my right. God. Oh, there's no speed limit. No speed limit, Dave. And there was just, no speed limit into the 90s. Oh, you know? my God. Um, and the entrances are two just, feet wide and just wide. <laughs> I can't. Yeah. Part of the right. so cool. <laughs> well, how have you guys, um, I mean, has there been any discernible difference in NBC's coverage of the race this year as opposed to ABC's? Uh, I think the lead-up and the advertising on it outside of coverage stuff that we would normally watch has been a lot greater and i don't think that's just me paying more attention i just think they're making a very concerted effort to really push it and and to feature it um i'm not entirely sure how i feel about the gold pass thing i mean i i I bought it hook line and sinker because i wanted to watch qualifying um and if that's a way that they can get more money to to do more of the special stuff that they're doing then fine I'm, i'm i'm willing to do that um, but I feel like they've really pushed it. I mean, I, it, it seems to me that it's more visible this year than it has been uh, even in previous years with the centennial celebration. I, I, yeah, I, 
I probably would have preferred more qualifying stuff on TV. But had I, but since I did pay for the the gold thing, I got to watch like eight straight hours of qualifying without any commercials. Yeah. So that was pretty yeah. good. So. And I thought the commentators were great. Yes. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, overall, if you have that, you know, I think it's been better just because of the the amount of access you've had via those can streams. I, but. Can I offer some uh, constructive feedback to NBC though? So, if a if a car is running nowhere near the top nine speed. But what we're concerned with is, are they going to get 30th or not? Here's the information that I would like to see. What what speed did the 30th car run? And what speed what speed is this car running? Those are the two pieces of information I need. I don't need anything you gotta, else. You got to catch it on the I cycle. Don't need some, <laughs> I don't need some really weird setup for what gear they're in that suggests they're in first, second, third, fourth, and fifth all at the same time. And might go to fourth and a half. Um, but what was driving me insane during the qualifying runs is they were really bad at p- putting up the lap they just completed of what speed that was and what speed to bump into the field or bump into wherever they were on the top nine. Like they, the Stuff that should be really basic, they did not do that very well. Interesting, yeah. I... Uh I, I would I think I would pay for a package that just gives give me the track announcer and that's it. There you go. Dave Calabro. <laughs> Dave Calabro. Yeah. I just want Dave Calabro talking to me. <laughs> Down just a little bit. <laughs> All right, so prediction time here a little bit. I I'm gonna rapid fire this out. First car out is is who Sage Carol. <laughs> damn, damn it, David. Damn. <laughs> That was, I was totally, he's so terrified he's not even making it through turn one. It's not happening this year. Sorry, Sage. I'm going to go with Santonio Ferrucci. Mm. <laughs> uh, I love this. I'm, I, because he is sandwiched between Laced and Ryan Hunter Ray. Not a great spot. And, and behind him are three dudes who could be in the race or could also be, I don't know. Taking your order at Arby's. You got Jack Harvey, now th- Jordan King, three and Ben Hamlin. Distinguished British gentlemen, they would not work at Arby's. <laughs> I'm telling you. And chips. No, no. First out's coming from that row. First out's coming from row nine. I'll say Jordan I'll say Jordan King because the poor guy, first of all, doesn't have a sponsor. Slap a sticker on there, bud. <laughs> like, just slap, a lo- slap something on there, right? It's all going to um, be Coke stickers with different names on it. That's all it's going to yeah. be. Uh, honestly, you know what he should do is get a bunch of five-year-olds, give to them some the Marvel car. stickers yes. or something like that, and just say, go nuts. Um, yes, that would be amazing, actually. <laughs> but I'm telling you, I, I will go Jordan King because he's in the middle of row nine, and none I, of these guys know what the hell they're doing. I can't believe Dave got Sage Carum. I had that all locked and loaded. Man. I mean, even when they were interviewing Sage Carum, he was like, I just don't want to be out there. You know, it's just, oh. Okay. All right. Sorry. What's next? <laughs> Plus, I, I want one more lick on row nine. Jack Harvey's qualifying was the most terrifying thing I'd ever seen oh, in, yes. on that speedway that did not involve a wreck. Yes. Like, yes. <laughs> he was all over the place. And even him, they interviewed him afterwards, and he was like, yeah, I don't want to do that again. That was terrible. <laughs> that was terrible. I'd prefer not. Yeah. Right. All right. So uh, when, when, uh, who's leading this race after five laps? Ed Jones. Uh, oh, Ed Carpenter. Ask. 
Yeah, uh, Carpenter's my pick. Yeah. Okay. All right. Who's winning at half, half, halfway through the race at 100 laps? Who's winning? Dave? Mm-hmm. Leading at 100 laps, that feels like an Andretti time. So <laughs> we'll go Marco Andretti. <laughs> After making a daring pass for no reason to make sure yeah. lead lap 100. Keep it, keeping me interested. I will go. All right, I am going to go with Elio Castroneves. Mm, that's a good one. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go Joseph Newgard. Joseph Newgarden's leading at 100 laps. The um, sage carom who's been tenskified. <laughs> Who is most likely to be talking to a reporter in the infield about how great a car they had if only they didn't screw it up. Ed, Ed, Ed Carpenter. I'm sorry, No, it's everybody. never Ed's fault, it's, though. It's, it's Ed Carpenter. It's, Ed, it's always Ed. The only saving grace is he's not on the pole this year. So maybe... But the maybe thing with Ed, though, is, is it's never his fault. Somebody else uh, typically causes the wreck. Takuma Sato. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I think it, I think Sato, it's gonna though, forever. We'll have our respect. I, no, I, I love how he drives, but yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was say. His motto's like no risk, no gain, or something. So it'll be him. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It, you guys are all missing. It is absolutely going to be Graham Rahal. <laughs> Graham oh, Rahal that would is going to be outstanding in the infield, okay. talking about how great a car it was and how okay. he just screwed yes. it up with yes. about but 160 laps. Do we have to believe that his car was good? No. Okay. No. Oh, okay. No, no. Not at all. Okay. I'm just saying. Okay. All right. <laughs> That's an important um, distincting factor, actually, because yeah, I like that, especially because right. he's a Buckeye. Buckeye. So it's it's easy to pick. It's easy to just say the winner. I want the exacta. Who? What's okay. one two? Who at the end of this race? Who wins and who's in second place? Uh, David, I'll, I'll let you jump on it. I'm going to go with Alexander Rossi to win. Wow. Wow. I've been, I've been very impressed with him of late, and his, his moves last year were, were probably the most entertaining parts of the race. So I'm curious to see how he does in a better starting position with a similar you know car. You know, If they behave similarly, he seemed to be the most capable of, of kind of moving around uh, the field. Second. All right, so days, Rossi wins. Who's in second? Second place. Second place can always be a random guy. Uh, <laughs> let's go with. No, oh, Spencer, you're not finishing. I'm sorry, buddy. Uh, <laughs> I can hear David looking at the grid right now, be like, ah, ah. <laughs> uh, Sebastian Bourdais. Why not? All right. Oh, dude broke his pelvis. Oh, let's give him a second place. I like Borde. Scott, who like you got? Borde. Oh, man. Winning and then second. I think... I think we see Elio Castroneves win his fourth Indianapolis 500 this year. And I think <laughs> That's such a fan service answer. Uh, I think That's fine, I though. Col- I think Colton Herta finishes Oh, second. man. He he, Castroneves was was racy last year till he you know lost. Yes, it. he was. Like he, yes, he so. was. And I think and I think if you want to do one better, I think Kanan leads at least twenty five laps in the race. <laughs> <laughs> Always. <laughs> All right. Uh, 
Simon Simon Pagano wins from the pole. Oh, oh, oh there's uh, a fancy answer. What a, what right a risky there. pick. Oh, the fastest car in the field. What a risky okay. pick. The guy who won two weeks ago. Reaching out and, on that branch there. And Scott Dixon is in second. Oh, gee. Wow. Wow. Oh, man. Okay, well. Go, go Yankees. Go Cowboys. At least two of us are hoping for an entertaining race. I don't know what. <laughs> Pagano leads 199 laps after having to pit only once. For <laughs> I'm telling you, and it happened last year, and it's going to happen again this year. The guy, it's the entire month. It's not just the Indianapolis 500. It's the Grand it Prix, tr- too. And if you do well in the Grand Prix, you're going to have a good race in the 500. And it Pagano's is, Pagano, Pagano is not an oval guy. He's just not. Neither he was Will Power, though, I'm, uh, yeah. I'm looking at a big. I'm looking at a big first next to Simon Pagano's <laughs> name on the starting grid. That would suggest he might be an oval guy. There have been Spencer Piggott's qualifying time that actually should have placed him. There, first, there have but. been six Indy GPs. Yes. Will Power has won three. Simon Pagano has won three. So in between oh. them, they have one Indy 500 win. So. Not Don't shoot holes in my theory here. <laughs> now, to be fair, I, I, I like Simon Pagano, so I, I would not be have a problem with that. But All right. I, I think I've got a good question for you guys, okay? Um, because I think we were talking about it earlier. The series has gotten to a point where we have a phenomenal lineup of drivers. Um, and tradition dictates that whoever wins, you doff your cap, you salute the guy. You always do that, regardless. Or girl. Um, who will you have to begrudgingly do that for if they win. Who's the one person you do not want to see win this race on Sunday? Graham Rahal, because I'm petty. <laughs> mass, mass. For me, it would be, it wouldn't even be Graham Rahal, although although I tend to kind of, I, Graham Rahal kind of grates on me a little bit. Um, I, for me, it's one of the guys that, like, I like. let's, let's say um, Mateus Lace or, like, you know, a, a, a Zach Veach or Ben Hanley or one of these guys that like isn't even a name and and got kind of lucky and and that kind of thing. So if I had to pick one, um, I will say uh, yeah, I'll say Mateus Lace. I will be just like whatever <laughs> too. Say Zach Veach said his car on fire twice last year. I was going to say, is, is so, but is whatever, that's the one who grates you the most. There's not, like, one guy in the series where you're like, oh, that guy. You know, it, it's, it, that's, it's a funny question because yeah. um, because to me there really isn't. And, it, but, and, and okay. it's kind of one of the things that I think makes IndyCar racing um, special, at least to me, is that it, it, it's a tightly, a pretty tight-knit group of people um, all of whom I gen- generally like, and even yeah. even if even even if you know Graham Ray Hall kind of grates on me, and even if I, I've I've heard that Charlie Kimball maybe isn't the nicest person, and the other racers <laughs> think he's kind of a liability out there, and things like that, they're they're just part of the fabric, and I enjoy that fabric so much that That's it's fair. tough for me to to pick a guy that that I would that, that I would sort of. Root against. I, I guess actually, in the spirit of your question, it would probably be Charlie Kimball because I, okay. I I don't think that very many of his other racers like him very much or think that he is the cleanest of drivers mm. um, out on the track. Mm. So I will say Charlie Kimball um, would be getting a I understand. 
What's that? <laughs> he said hating on the diabetic. <laughs> so. yeah, yeah, exactly. I've got a real insulin bias going on here. I, no, but I, I, I appreciate where you're coming from in terms of, I like, you kind of don't want it to fall into some nobody's lap unless they went out and really earned it. Well, um, and honestly, I, that's I, how that's how I felt about Alexander Rossi. In, in oh, me history. too, me too. And, but and then he has last year since, totally changed my outlook oh, on him. And and he has since absolutely embraced it and become a part of that fabric, right? And so I'm not saying they can't, but like, yeah, when Rossi wanted, who the heck's this guy? And he he'd wanted to be an F1 for years, right? And he was going to be the next great American hope in F1 for a minute, right? Um, right. And was treating IndyCar as a warm-up warm series to that. And then he won the Indianapolis 500 and his life changed. And now yeah, you know, yeah. now, now he's a part of this little family trying to make this IndyCar thing um, you know, bigger and better and, and, and more entertaining. And, and, I, and I love him for it. Now he's one of my favorite drivers, right? Yeah. So, like, yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying oh, yeah. it can't change. But, like, yeah, that, that's kind of how I feel about it. Yeah. I'll be, I'll be that guy. I don't care if it's the 50th anniversary. I don't care. Marco Andretti. I get no explanation needed. Mario, I know I want Marco. I want Mario to be happy. I, no, I, Mar- Mario Mario's happy. happy. No, Mario's happy. He has an Indy no. car in his garage. Do He's it. doing fine. I his like, happiness I is be, in I no way tied to Mario Andretti. I would. I will do it. Do it. Oh man. Nope. No. Look at little, so. little Mario out there, loving it. Okay. So dovetailing off this question, because I think I know how you're going to answer. Best story if they win. I mean, this would be this would be absolutely. I don't think this is within the realm of possibility given where he's starting. But James Hinchcliffe, mm-hmm. James Hinchcliffe, I think is a very good answer. David, oh, yeah. I, I want to see if David's thinking along the same lines as I am here. Best story. That's a, mm. I mean, it'd be tough, you know. Ed, Ed Carpenter would be a good would be a pretty good one for being from Indianapolis, you know, having been on the Butler pole, grad. Yeah, you know, yeah, the whole yeah. Hometown guy thing would be would be a, would be a good. I, I I do agree that Hinchcliffe would be a better one, but yeah, uh, I'm gonna cheat. Um, my actual answer is J.R. Hildebrand. Yeah, <laughs> my, that'd be a good one. My my runner up answer though would be Marco. Because people would just go absolutely nuts, especially with it being the 50th anniversary. But I think J.R. Hildebrand better win a 500 at some time <laughs> in that poor guy's career. <laughs> because he's owed one. He is owed one. My goodness. You know, how that guy even sets foot inside the gates, you know, after what happened is uh, impressive. So, But his he was such an impressive guy after what happened. So, so <coughs> he is leading, right? Um what what would this have been, guys? The twenty, the, yeah, okay, 2011. twenty eleven. I was going to say thirteen, but yeah, I guess yeah. thirteen would not be in it. So he was eleven. He's leading. He's going in. He's in the short shoot between three and four. Right, gets up in the marbles and loses it in four on the on the uh, on the white flag lap. Right, is that, I mean that's yeah, still finishes. That, that's, that's, that's the story, right? Yeah, he he comes up on. So there's a flurry of activity due to fuel strategy and otherwise at the end of this race, and nobody really knows. 
who is leading as people are kind of falling out and having to pit. And it ends up that Hildebrand takes the lead with, I think, like three laps to go. He's a rookie. He's driving like the Panther racing U.S. Army car and uh, has been quick all day, had a really nice run and is running away. All he's got to do is finish. And uh, he comes through three. Our seats are in three. And David, I'll never forget this, goes, boy, he's a little high. And he had come up on uh, lap traffic. And instead of just slowing up and following the guy into the he gets up into the marbles, like you said, just tags the wall, but he hits it in a, in a way that he continues his forward momentum. And so at the time, because nobody knew who where anybody was, you thought he might still win by sliding across the finish line. And in fact, he finished second and Weldon passed him with like 300 yards to go and became, I believe, I believe, double check me, the only winner to win by leading just one lap and the last lap of the race. I think that is so. That is, yeah. Hildebrand, but his explanation of it was great. Which because they asked him like, why why didn't you just slow up and follow the lap traffic? Why did you try to go high to pass them? And yeah. here's this poor rookie out there and never shied away from it, right? And and talking in the microphone, going like, yeah, that's easy to say where you're sitting, where you're sitting. But I'm sitting there and I've got a spotter going. You've got Dan Weldon behind you. Like, (laughs) so here's this rookie leading the 500, and he's got somebody going, yeah, it's Weldon behind you, who Weldon, at at this point, was an established racer and and one of of the top, what would you say, top three guys in the series. and like easily. (laughs) Yeah, of course he's going to try to lean on it and, like, not slow down. You don't slow down when you've got Dan Weldon behind you at the Indianapolis 500, you know? Yeah. so uh, it was an interesting, it, it was an interesting race. My my backup great great story, and you guys uh, uh, can roll your eyes, but Pippa Mann has been at this track for years. She lives and breathes this thing. She's one of the hardest yep. working race car drivers out there because she has to absolutely grind for sponsors yep. every single year. And uh, and it would be great. I don't think she can win from row ten. She never has the speed. But like, it would be great to see her put together a run and get like a top ten or something like. That. I would I would love to see her be competitive because she's put, like you said. I mean, she has paid her dues over and over again. Been a, a consummate professional. Always shows up. Loves the race. Has put her time in. Never about me. You know, attention seeking type of a thing. Um, I I would love to see that. I'd love to see her do well. Yeah, and as the only other person bumped last year, yeah, that's a similar kind of trajectory to Hinchcliffe, yeah. Uh, yeah. Apparently, her, so how many years in a row do you guys think oh, uh, at least one woman has been part of the field with Pippa making it this year? Oh, come on, Master. I don't think there was one. Guys. Oh, Danica ran. Danica. <laughs> come on, guys. Danica. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, she doesn't sorry. count. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh. the old Tony Stewart approach. Uh, so, years in a row. Uh. So you had St. James into Sarah Fisher, into Milka Danica, Dino. and a host of <laughs> others. Yeah. In, right into yeah. into Pippa Man. Um, Cath- Catherine Leg. Yeah, Catherine uh, Leg and, and Anna Di Silvestro. I think Di Silvestro. Uh, I'm gonna say eight. I'm gonna say 18 years in a row. I would go. Totally I would go it. before that. St. James was before that, wasn't she? Wasn't she like 80, she was like 80, 90, 89? She was like 94. Oh um, shit! Uh, so Guthrie was. So, the I mean, still a long time ago. Guthrie was like 77. Uh, there was a gap was a between Guthrie gap. and St. James. I will give you guys. The yes, yeah, there was a gap. Yeah. 
I'm gonna say I'm gonna say that since I'm gonna say someone a female has run this race since '94. So what would that be? Uh, Twenty. Uh, 23 years. I'll go 23 years. Whatever whatever that puts it at. Right? <laughs> you guys are surrounding it. It is 20 years. Ah, interesting. Lo- that's, lo- that's longer than I would have thought because I thought we had a, a bit of a dip kind of that late 2000s yeah. where there were like three or four of them and then, but I, yeah, so. Who was that, who was that Brazilian driver who could, who could. Anna Beatrice? Bear- <laughs> no, he's talking. He's talking about Bruno Giancara. <laughs> no, no, no. The female driver. She was Brazilian. Oh, Milka Duno. Milka Duno. Was she Brazilian? Yes. I believe I believe so. She was a uh she was Venezuelan a guys, come on. Uh, oh, it's excuse us. Jeez, it's t- okay, quick David, is that east or west of Brazil? That doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> That's the joke. Okay, anyway. <laughs> I saw you to know, steal the Anna John Be- Oliver, <laughs> where he puts the map up, and then five minutes later is like, of course this is not Ecuador. But anyway, sorry. Anna Beatrice is Brazilian. Just what do you guys? Say? I nailed that one. Oh, so. okay. Okay. There you go. Okay. All right. So we've got our winners picked. We've got unlikely stories. Uh, anything else that merits discussion here? Favorite tradition on race day. Oh, well, what yeah. gets you? What gets you jazzed up? Favorite. We're, we're tradition all going on race to have day. the exact same one, Scott. This is that's allowed. We can we can we can expand expand on it because it's, there's back, a, there's it's a, back home again. <laughs> it's back home and, again in Indiana. And and dovetailing off of that, who should be singing back home again in Indiana? Well, I mean that anthem guy's been doing a great job. I, th- I agree. Micro. It should be micro from Dirty Jobs. End of story. I was. I was going to say, like, are we? Is there some sort of Futurama scenario where we could just have Jim Neighbors' head? Sing? That would be awesome. That would be awesome. I would. I mean, but if you have not seen the YouTube of Micro doing his audition for that, it's uh, it's it's chill-inducing. It's really good. And and you're right. The national anthem guy has been good. He's been very good. Uh, well, yeah, the Blackhawks guy, right? Yeah, he's from Indianapolis, yeah. I believe. Too. Yeah, I, I'm actually like it. It needs to be someone who like like for a while they had like some superstars doing it and stuff. No, it needs no, to be for a, while a relatively they had straight anonymous no guy. Chaser doing it, and I wanted to yeah, die. Straight no chaser, the acapella. And I group, died I inside every time because that was the <laughs> name they decided. Did you what, think that the answer about, was going to be the Purdue marching band stuff? Something you like, stopped what was saying as a freshman in high so, school. No, okay, all right. I will give you my rundown. I'll give you my rundown of my my top three uh, spine tingling moments on race day. One back home again in Indiana, no doubt. Um, the combination of drivers to your machines and uh, drivers start your engine. What used to be gentlemen start your engines. Um, and for me, I think uh, taps with the flyover. Um, yeah, okay. especially when they used to have the B two and everything. But for those who have not gone and and think that it's just a huge party the whole time, and, and it is that. I mean, it's just this unbelievable event. But it's an event that does um, a remarkable job of honoring Memorial Day and what Memorial Day should be in what I think it to be a very respectful manner without being heavy handed. Um, and man, that moment when they when they do taps and they've got given the invitation and everything else, and it's like. There's 400,000 people there, and you can hear a pin drop, and that thing flies over, and it's like, it's a very, it just swells in your chest, you know? And, uh, sorry, I'm waxing poetic. I get excited about it, but it's it's such a cool cool moment. moment. And and the the driver starts your engines is a really unique moment in, in the Speedway, too, because 
it, it particularly like okay, fine. If you're sitting on the front stretch, you're going to see it, right? Sure. But sure. if you when you're in turn three or four, um, or you're you're along the back straight or, or whatever, and you can't see it, what ends up yep. happening is you you hear it, and and yep. but it it's delayed all the way around the track as the sound travels, right? And so you get this yep. driver starts your engine, you hear that over the loudspeaker, and then you you can kind of see them put the starters in on the jumbotron, but you don't hear it yet. And then, yep. and then the sound gets to you as it sort of echoes off the grandstands of of these cars roaring to life, and uh, and it's it really it's it's a really neat moment um, of like of this this somewhat calm, and then all of a sudden this you know, cacophony of, of of car noises coming at you, and it's it really is a neat moment. Uh, so I agree that that is a, that is a unique moment at the speed at this speedway in particular yeah, where right. you can't see the front stretch necessarily. You know. Yeah. And I think what goes with that, too, is when you're when they're coming out for that first parade lap. And especially, like you said, I think when you're not on the front stretch. So for us in three, but I bet two is the same way. You start staring at that first part of the track. You can see because you've been watching these trucks and pace cars and everything been going. And the first view you get of those cars as they're going is just, ah, you know, your adrenaline just kicks into like another gear somehow. And it's, <laughs> uh, it's so cool. I, I think. Absolutely. I think, yeah. All those are, are definitely big ones for me i think the first like the last uh pace lap where you they're all lined up and you see with with our seats you can see around turn four you can start to see in that front stretch you start to see them take off you see the back of the field start to go in turn three and that kind of that kind of moment kind of seeing that bunched up seeing how they navigate that and, and then like waiting for them to all come around and they're all coming around way faster than they came around the last time is, <laughs> yeah. a, is definitely something I always think about. So. Well, and, and, and it's a great TV moment too, because they, they come down the front stretch and they've, they've always got the camera angle um, high coming down the front stretch so that the cars are coming towards you and you can see them three by three by three. And then the green flag drops and they just, poof out into this yeah they poof i'm gonna say they poof out <laughs> into this into five six wide and it's just the, the yeah. agility of these machines are so incredible to see them go from like reasonably stacked up to like five and six wide as they as they jockey for position going into one um and just that lightning quick like green flag yeah. and then bang they're all they're, they're all out you know what i mean mm-hmm. yep yep oh man i'm so excited oh oh one last thing one last thing i'm sorry and we not, we can't end on a negative, so this can't tear, be the ultimate last thing. But I've got one other thing I would improve for you. <laughs> okay, one one other thing I would improve, and this is totally Scott centric. Okay, it's totally turn three centric. But there's a pagoda in turn three that has the positions one through ten, and it used to just be lights, and it would light up with the number of the car that is in that position, and it was very easy to read <laughs> from 400 yards away across the track. And now they have this big LCD screen that is totally invisible and you can't see it at all and you have no idea what the running order is until it flashes across on the bottom of the jumbotron and everything bring back the light board bring it back so we can see what the, the numbers of the cars are yes the analog Sorry, light Mantover. board yes yeah. i want the old school you know incandescent what, uh, bulbs yeah bulbs. exactly 100 yeah. <laughs> percent. Okay, okay sorry all right trivia question trivia question david uh, now, pit stops are a big part of the Indianapolis 500, a critical part of the race we all remember in 1987 when Roberto Guerrero blew it. Ah, uh, yes. Stalling Stalled. in the pits in the final stop. Uh, it would be great, you know, if you could minimize those number of pit stops. What 
uh, is the least number of pit stops that a car has done and completed the race. Um, oh, I hear a lot of typing. I hear a lot of typing in the background there. <laughs> Do you no, want I'm trying to, hear? to figure out. I'm, I'm actually looking up the average number of pit stops, so th- maybe that's cheating. I don't know. Se- it's usually between seven and eight. Yeah. So... I'm thinking if you ran it straight green and just had to do fuel stops, right, you would need four, I, I think, because they can uh-huh. get about 50 laps on, a, on, a, on 50 green flag laps, I think. Uh, so I will say five. I believe the record is one. And I'm trying to remember the year, and I, there was a year that the it was a Cummins diesel, and because it was oh. a diesel, I think it only had to pit once. And I want to say, Dave, you're going to probably have to correct me. I, I'm betting it was like in the 30s or 40s, um, but I, I'm going to say one okay. is my answer. Uh, four cars have completed the race without a pit stop. What? <laughs> uh, now you are now the the Cummins diesel in 1931. Finished thirteenth. Okay. Then we have Cliff Berg. No Berg- pit stops. No pit stops. Per- Cliff Bergier in the knockout hose clamp. I don't know what that means. The knockout hose clamp in nineteen forty-one. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Jackson in the Howard Keck. These are meaningless words. In nineteen forty-nine, and then Johnny Mance in the Agajanian, also in nineteen forty-nine. Wow, I did not. I thought it was only one. I did not know that. Interesting. <laughs> All right, and then. Um, have you guys seen the interesting fact, Mastin, you'll know this because uh, he's your man. Um, there has been a previous French pole sitter. How long ago was he on the pole? Uh, and it's, it's not... Uh, not Pagano. Right. Um... I, I, I don't know, and I, I mean, I, I could guess. My, my, my guess is it would be it would have been back in maybe the fifties or something like that. So I'll say nineteen fifty-six. A hundred years to the year, a yeah. hundred years ago. Yeah, I saw that. Nineteen nineteen. There you go. Been a bit. Yeah. Been a little bit. So, oh man, well I can't wait, guys. I am uh, I am excited. It's always one of my favorite parts of the year. Awesome event. Hope people get a chance to check it out and. Uh, you know, we'll uh, maybe we'll have a chance to talk about it afterwards, and maybe update a little bit of Michigan-centric stuff on our next one. But uh, this was fun. This was a lot of fun. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Enjoy the race. All right. We'll do.